Hello and welcome to my Halloween house. <laughs> Actually, this is just my garage. Uh, given the time of day and the fact that everyone else in my family is sleeping right now, this is the best recording studio I have got. And you and I get to enjoy church together on Halloween. That's awesome. We're going to talk about scary and creepy things today. Uh, my name is Bruce. I'm the lead pastor of Valley Lights Church. Welcome online. And uh, I'm glad you're tuning in. It's possible that you've never attended church on Halloween before. So if so, props to you for coming to church on Halloween. Uh, what, what is Halloween all about anyway? I think, uh, you know, I've got four, four young kids. And uh, for me, and maybe, maybe you too, uh, Halloween's all about costumes and candy. I mean, if you were to really sum up the holiday in two words, that's probably it. Costumes and candy. Does it go much deeper than that? You know, it actually has a pretty uh, interesting history of how the, the whole thing got started. But right now, you know, it's a money-making scheme for some people. But actually, Halloween also for other people, it might be, uh, it might be about causing fear and other people, or getting creeped out. Sometimes you just intentionally go to things to get creeped out and to get afraid because, you know, there's fun in that. Um, Halloween, sometimes, uh, you know, if you go down that road some more, it might be about uh, really creepy things, might be about death. And uh, actually, it, it can go even further. It can become about really disturbing, disgusting, and grotesque things. And uh, I'm not, I'm actually not going in that direction. Um, Halloween as a holiday, I like it, <laughs> you know, because uh, I like to use it. It's a great way to connect with people. We've, over the years, we've been able to do Halloween parties, um, costume parties, meet neighbors while we're trick-or-treating, um, pumpkin parties. It's a time of year that it's, uh, it's easy to get people together, and so I like it for that reason. Personally, I'm not all that big on scary movies or going to those things where you get freaked out and creeped out. I, uh, the truth is my imagination needs no help whatsoever coming up with freaky things. And, um, any images that I do see, like if I were to watch a scary movie, those images torture me for decades. In fact, I've, man, I saw stuff as a kid that still tortures me. So uh, I, don't, I don't think everyone is that way. I don't know if everybody has that problem. I think most people probably have fears of some kind. Maybe claustrophobia, afraid of small spaces. Fear of arachnophobia, afraid of spiders. Um, there's lots of things that you could be afraid of. As it, uh, I've got, a, there's a relative in our family who's terrified to drive in the rain because the thought of the real threat of danger if it's raining and the possibility for an accident is just paralyzing it's immobilizing um, as a kid I was terrified of the thought of dying there was one point I woke up and uh, the thought of what it would be like to die and what would be happening to me after I died and I didn't really know there was this picture of terrifying gloomy blackness that I was in a cold sweat over that um, Man, some things that, that freak me out now are when my kids get hurt or when they almost, like they have near, near, seems like near fatal accidents and they just barely miss. 
that's happened to my kids, especially my youngest, Timothy. Is I feel like God has spared, <laughs> spared him so many times. There was one time my, my oldest daughter, when she was little, she had a, a, a fever-induced seizure. And it actually happened twice, but when this happened, um, she has a seizure. Her eyes kind of glazed over, sort of rolling back a little bit. She was totally unresponsive. And that freaked me out. I was just like, all of a sudden, in this situation, I'm, I'm looking at her, and I thought, there, I am completely out of control here. This is, this is beyond my control, and I have no idea what to do. Um, there have been other times that my kids have gotten hurt and in real severe ways, and man, that's terrifying. The thought of something bad happening to my kids is just terrifying. Um, the, the thought of moving on to death, I mean, that's, that's something that can be really terrifying for some people as well. I've known people that are just worried about being in a situation where they're gasping for breath at the end. And that, that feeling of um, having no air, that's, whew, that, that could get you going. That's, that's, that's some comforting thoughts on Halloween. <laughs> um, if you've ever been afraid of anything in your life, you're not alone in that battle. Actually, if you, if you, are, if you just routinely battle fear of some kind, you're not alone. I think a common tension, I think some things that, some common categories of fears that we may have, um, one thing is just like dark, invisible, unseen, spiritual evils. That may be one category of things that, that you might be afraid of. Just the unseen, the paranormal. Um, another category of things that you might be afraid of are like physical enemies or physical pain, like real-life tangible threats and damage. And then, of course, death is another thing, another category that you might fear. Perhaps you fear nothing. But, so maybe, maybe what I'm about to say may be unnecessary or relevant for you, but maybe, maybe you know people that deal with fear. Maybe you've got kids and you want to know how to talk them through their fears. That's what we're going to talk about today because fear can paralyze our progress in life. Fear can be paralyzing. There's a couple interesting ways that fear is described in the Bible. In uh, actually in Joshua 1:9, God commands this new he's a new commander over just he's had this big conquest, very daunting task ahead of him. God told Joshua, he says, "Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous?" Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Um, when God says don't be discouraged, that word is a Hebrew word that can also be translated shattered. To be so afraid or terrified or daunted that you're just shattered. Like imagine a, a glass mirror or something like that. It just gets shattered and broken into a million pieces. That, that, there's a kind of terror that you that a person might feel that just makes them just you know just crumble into a million pieces on the floor just completely helpless that's the kind of terror or fear or discouragement that God says don't don't be that way you got to watch out for that that can that might happen to you you strong and mighty warrior but don't let that happen to you later actually also in Joshua there's a point when uh, Joshua's enemies hear about how powerful uh, God is and God's people are, and uh, 
and, and they, the enemies had said at one point there was this statement when we heard of it our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below so these people their hearts melted imagine like a candle just like dripping oozing out of the table like <laughs> or actually this word um, to melt in fear also can be translated dissolve just like kind of just melt into water and to become nothing uh, that's that's the impact of fear. That's what that's what can happen. Fear it can be paralyzing. It can cause us to be shattered or melted or just totally come apart. And uh, you know sometimes you see people freaking out. Sometimes you watch movies where somebody's in the military and the pressure's so intense that they're freaking out, man. And uh, for a person who is in that condition of fear, that level of terror and freak out, if you try to reason with them and just kind of like logically come to a conclusion, it might not get you that far. Because there's, there's a disassembling of our mind that can happen that fear causes. And so, actually, this is probably a good time for me to make a confession to all of you watching. Uh, in fact, what I'm about to share with you, it may cause you to lose some respect. <laughs> uh, all right. My confession is, I have spent much of my life being afraid of the dark. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's something that little kids are, you know, kids are afraid of the dark. Grown men are not afraid of the dark. <laughs> well, you know what? There was, there was one time in my, etched in my memory where I was uh, out camping. I was in it by myself and I had to uh, journey back to my tent through the woods in the pitch dark I mean, I had a flashlight, but I wasn't around anybody. And uh, the same woods that I had frolicked through during the daytime, during the sunlight, when the, you know, the butterflies are going by, the same woods in the middle of the dark, can't see like seven feet in front of me. I have no idea what's behind any of these trees. The, and then as my mind is running wild, there's like, I can imagine like wild animals. I can imagine super creepy things like I said my imagination runs and I am just barely I'm 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 about to lose my mind from the terror of being in the dark by myself um, this actually even happened uh, one of our houses that we lived in we had a shed in the backyard and our house was very very small it was basically like a studio and so there's no closets or anything we had stored a bunch of our stuff in this shed in the backyard and Every once in a while, I need to get something. I, I need to get stuff out of there often because we didn't have any other storage. The problem was at night, though, sometimes I'm like, eh, how bad do I need that thing? I don't really want to go back there into the dark, creepy shed by myself. And uh, <clears throat> it seems like sort of a small thing, but there's, man, my, my mind would become unstable in these situations. You know what's really scary in the dark? churches. I don't know if you've ever uh, been in like an old church building, like one of those really big sanctuaries with like lots of rows of pews. And um, for some reason, being in a church completely by yourself in the middle of the night is, is a really freaky place to be. <laughs> uh, there's like that spiritual element. You don't really know what's behind every pew. Man, if, you know, maybe you can relate to being afraid of the dark, maybe not. Maybe there's other things that you've been afraid of, but how do you know if 
fear has a grip on you. Here's how. If you go to do something, but then you stop because you're afraid and your fear stops you from doing what you ought to do. That would be, I mean, that's the case of, hey, I need to, oh, I need to grab something from storage. And I go to do that, but then the fear makes me second guess that. And then I don't, I don't do, even if it's something simple, then I know at that point, fear is my master. It's got control over me. Actually, fear, uh, whatever the fear is of, it, it can cause us to be weak and really easily manipulated, really easily mastered. Fear just kind of breaks us down and then we just don't have strength or power to do what's, what needs to be done. You know, in, in some of those moments for me in my life when I have felt fear, it, it feels like my mind is just being irrational. Maybe I know the truth, I know it should be reasonable, but I'm just losing a grip. And I've had some fears, some of this fear of the dark, the only way that I've been able to overcome it is by using the Bible. And God knew that people would be paralyzed by different kinds of fears, and so God has not left us defenseless. God has actually given us weapons that are very effective. If you have ever dealt with fear or if you are helping someone work through their fear, make the Bible your primary weapon for battling fear. The Bible is a weapon. It's actually, it's a sword. Ephesians, Paul, you know, Paul the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, he, 17, he said, take, a, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I first learned to really hold the Bible like a sword when I was dealing with this battle with fear for me, fear of the dark. And uh, the first verse that I memorized was Isaiah 41.10. And uh, it goes like this. So do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that's a verse that has been very helpful to me and I'd be in these fearful situations, and I would say that verse. And I would remind myself, God is with me. He has commanded me not to be afraid. In fact, for me to, for me to give in to fear or to not do what I ought to do because I'm afraid is actually for me to disobey God. He's been very clear over and over again not to be afraid. He will strengthen me. He will help me. That's what this verse says, and I really believe it. And I would, I would say that verse. It would be kind of like swinging a sword at the enemy fear. And that, that, that became helpful to me. I added a few more verses. Another one, Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light. I'm afraid of the dark, right? <laughs> In these situations. I, the, but the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's Psalm 27, 1. And uh, there are other verses that I began to memorize. And so I'd have um, a handful of weapons that, I would, that I'd be able to use. I'd be able to swing the sword against that. And I'd be, really be able to battle. And then I'd be able to do the right thing. So maybe I would be sort of knees knocking or trembling, but moving, going to the shed in the backyard to get more toilet paper, whatever, whatever I needed. 
at the time. And, uh, you know, I would do the right thing. I would not, in those moments, I was able to not let the fear master me, but I would submit the fear to the Word of God. And in this way, what, what this process, we like to call say, pray, obey. <laughs> when, when dealing with fear, I say the truth, which is the truth of God's Word. Say it out, and, and many, most of the time, saying it out loud is, is way more effective than just kind of reciting it in my mind. Say it out loud, pray, and say, God, I believe this is true. Would you give me the help and the strength? Help me to battle this fear. Even pray against the fear and against the enemy, and then obey by just doing the right thing. Say, pray, obey. And uh, the way I was able to begin utilizing this method of battle it was by memorizing verses, memorizing parts of the Bible. And I don't know if there's much that you memorize on a regular basis. I mean, there was a time that we used to memorize phone numbers. I mean, I don't know how old you are, what, what generation you're from, but uh, anyone my age or older, for sure you've memorized phone numbers. You memorize your address. You might know your license plate number. I mean, what else is good? You might know your spouse's social security number. <laughs> um, but beyond that, we don't do a whole lot of memorizing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good and a lot of power to have his word stored up word for word in our, in our hearts and so that it's ready to go. Um, this, this concept of say, pray, obey, this is just a side note, a little bonus nugget. Uh, this is a pretty helpful tool for any emotion. Fear is, by definition, I looked it up, um, a very intense emotion. If you have intense anger or intense bitterness or sadness or worry or, or jealousy or any, anything, any kind of intense emotion that grabs a hold of us, you can use this. Say, pray, obey. Um, memorize a verse on that issue. And all of those issues, there's scores of verses and truths to memorize. Say, pray, ask for God's help, and then obey and do the right thing. And we can really get, we can not, we can stop being so mastered by the way we feel. There's another occurrence in the life of our family. Um, there, there have been times when one of my sons deals with, I, I guess you would maybe call it night terrors, but he would wake up just uh, just screaming, um, un, uncontrollable and irrational. I think still sleeping, but it's really hard to tell, honestly. Um, we try to talk to him. He does respond with some words, sort of, um, but just out of control and turning on the lights, holding him. You know, there's a lot of things we would try to do that wouldn't really be effective. And, um, man, I, I don't like what is going on? And this, this has happened, this has happened many times. In fact, it's even happened when we were out and uh, gone on a trip and somebody else was watching him and I was, I was worried that was going to happen. But what we've found is normally what we do is I'll, I will turn on a light and there's a passage of the Bible in Philippians 2 that talks about um, the power of Jesus Christ and how everything gets submitted to him. And I read that passage out loud so that my son can hear. And it's actually, we also have some hymns that, we, that we'll sing sometimes at 3 a.m. But that have the truth of God's word in them. 
And this combined with prayer, asking God's help, has an amazing impact on him dealing with these things and bringing getting to where he comes under control and then peacefully goes back to sleep. And there's, I really think in those moments that there's more happening than just physical or mental issues. I think there's spiritual forces at play. In fact, this, uh, when Paul, I just read from Ephesians 6 where Paul says, you know, the Bible is a sword, it's a weapon. In that same passage, he says that our battle, the things that we do battle against, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against evil spiritual forces. So in those moments, I'm like, I don't think we're battling against my son or something physical or tangible that we can see. I think, actually, you know, it's Halloween, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think that the demonic, I think evil spirits are a much bigger player on our everyday um, life experience than we give credit for. And I've had a lot of interesting experiences in life that have made more sense once I learned about the unseen realm. You know, it's Halloween. A lot of times, you know, when it comes to, like, evil spirits, you know, you just, uh, people might like to just kind of joke and tease about it, flirt around with the concept, but when someone actually takes it seriously, it's like, okay, weirdo, <laughs> you, actually, you actually believe in that stuff. Um, if you don't want to take the unseen evil spiritual realities seriously, you can find ways to explain it. I think, I think there's probably people that would find ways to explain the things happening to my son. But I think many well-intended Christians use the wrong weapons to fight spiritual battles, and the enemy takes advantage of that. And then sometimes they can't figure out what the problem is. In Matthew 10, 28, Jesus said, Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Obviously referring to God. And I'd say there's some listening right now who are trying to figure out still if God even is good and if he's real and should be followed. And to hear a thought where like, Jesus is saying, hey, you ought, you ought to be afraid of God because he could destroy you and your, your soul your soul in hell. It almost feels like, I don't, you know, why, if God is so good, why should I be afraid of him? Well, there's, there's kind of a difference between fear, fearing God and fearing everything else. Fear of evil and death and bad things, that kind of fear causes us to be weak, to be easily manipulated, to become, uh, you know, like, like shattered or become melting like water. Fear just it does, has that, that paralyzing impact on us. Fear of God does something different, though. It's, it's the only fear that causes us to be respectful and submitted. Fearing God, really taking Him seriously, it keeps our life in check. And it actually leads to our own, our own benefit. Long-term blessing comes out of this carefulness that we have when we fear God. The ultimate fear, if, if we don't fear God, probably the ultimate fear for many people is the fear of death. I would say mankind throughout the centuries has been especially fearful of death. What will it be like?
Will it be painful? What happens after death? What, what will that be like? Will I be alone when I die or after I die? There's a lot of questions that can't be answered with scientific empirical evidence. I recently watched the movie Soul. It's a Pixar movie that came out last year. And it's a movie about soul. So like people that die and their spirits, what they, you know, happens to them. And you would think a movie about souls would try to portray the other side. And you know what? They really don't. There, there's this scene in the movie where all these souls, so people have died and these souls are kind of going up this escalator into this big swirling vortex out in space. And um, I forget what they call it, whatever land that is, the great unknown, the great beyond. And um, even even the movies, you know, they just, they want to get to this idea of like after you die, but there's just, it can't, it can't be explained or answered. There's, there's just, the world really has no answers for this after death experience. There's, and so much of the unknown is what makes it scary. I would say that understanding the truth about pain and about death can free us from the fear of it. And actually, one more passage here hits a lot of the major concerns that come up. Actually, this verse, this passage we're about to read right now could be a sword for you. If you were to memorize it, it could help you if you dealt with this fear of death and dying. It's from 1 Peter chapter 5. In verse 6, uh, Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him, because he cares for you. So Peter's starting point is to orient yourself around God's mighty power and and his care. His his really tender, loving care for us. Instead of freaking out, thinking about God's mightiness and his care really has a stabilizing impact. So that's that's a good starting point. Then he says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Of course, here we go with this, this spiritual enemy again. Actually, there's you'd, you'd probably be surprised at how many times our spiritual enemy comes up in the Bible. But the devil is described as a roaring lion. And uh, actually, the, the enemy's the devil's hangry. You know when you get hungry, so intensely hungry that you're angry and you start just, being really destructive <laughs> until you get your appetite satisfied. It's actually, I think that's the picture of what's being described here. Our, our spiritual enemy is, is destructively looking for food, which is us. And uh, this verse, by the way, is written to Christians where, where Peter's saying, hey, listen, uh, you might get devoured. Oh, oh, even you follower of Jesus, this, this could be you. What would it look like, do you think, for a Christian to be devoured by the enemy? What would, what, actually, what would your life look like if you got devoured by the devil? I mean, maybe it's devoured right now. There's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways. Our lives could be devoured by, we just end up living really ineffective lives. Or we just get sucked into stuff that we should not be sucked into or consumed with the wrong things, or we get paralyzed by fear. 
I think our lives get devoured if we're not doing the good that we can do because of fear for ourselves, fear about what's going to happen to our kids. Peter then says, resist him, resist the devil, be firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. And his letter overall, by the way, is, is really about suffering and experiencing um, oppression from people uh, for, as a result of your faith in Christ. And so that's the kind of suffering he's talking about. But when it comes to the fear of death in specific, um, it really does bring some comfort to remember that a lot of men and women and children have tasted death. Many faithful Christians have gone through that dark valley. They have, and many have been sustained by God's incredible grace in that transition. It's almost like when, when Peter brings up these other people, these other fellow believers that have gone through pain and death. He said, it, the question comes up, should, should I be afraid to go where many other faithful ones have gone? Must the valley of the shadow of death be gloomy to me when so many others have found it to be illuminated by the opening light of heaven? Least of all, should we forget that our Savior Jesus experienced all the horrors that death could offer and his body lay in a tomb, but he made it a temporary and hollowed resting place. He made it through quite well. And then finally, Peter says, The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore. This is what's going to happen to us who, who persist in our belief in Christ. God will restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. He's saying, yeah, life probably is going to be hard and death might be painful. But getting through it, you'll quickly forget in light of the, of the riches of eternal life with God forever. There'll be such strength and permanence and fortitude and joy that comes with being with God. And so a question to ask yourself might be, hey, if, in light of that verse, if you died tonight, let's say death came for you tonight on Halloween. That's, a, that's kind of a creepy thought. <laughs> uh, let's say you're standing before God and God says, all right, why should I let you in to heaven? Why should I let you come and enjoy all the glory that's here? What would you say? What would be your answer? What would be your defense? A lot of people would say, well, I mean, I've done this good thing and I've, I've done that. And I mean, boy, there's sure, there's sure a lot of more awful people than me. And I've, I mean, I've done reasonably well. Would you let me in? And uh, that, that's a pretty common thought. That's a pretty common answer. So that might be your answer. In which case, I'd ask, what, what percent chance do you think that he would let you in? Based on your answer, whatever you've done, or your life up to this point. I mean, bring a number to mind. What, what percent chance do you think you have at actually getting let in? Going into heaven and not getting sent to hell? Well, 50% maybe. I don't know. 80, 
97.5. Maybe maybe chances feel kind of good. But you know what? There is a way to be 100% sure. We could answer God, you know, the question, why should I let you in? The answer could be, there is nothing that I can do or nothing that I've done. No, there's no reason you should let me in except the fact that Jesus died in my place. And he paid the penalty of my sin. And God, you said that if I put my trust in him, and if he becomes my Lord, you'll let me in. You, you said you will give me eternal life on that condition alone. If I trust him alone. If that is the rock that we're standing on, then death becomes not a threat, but a doorway. Really good doorway. Fear can be paralyzing. There's a lot of things in life that feel dark and gloomy and dreadful. But I truly love that verse I read earlier, Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. This idea of salvation, I'm, I'm saved. I've got, I've got rock solid, 100% sure hope for where I'm headed. The Lord is my light and he's my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The answer to that question, obviously, is nothing. There is nothing that I should be afraid of. That, that one phrase, the Lord is my light and my salvation, it's eight words, but it's been a weapon that I've used many times to strike down fear. There's a lot of hope in that. There's a lot of there's a lot of hope in a verse like that, but actually you might need more than just one phrase. You might need more than one verse. I've I've needed an arsenal. I've needed an armory of weapons. So there's a lot of verses that I've memorized to help me stay strong in life. Here's what I'd recommend. First, get clear on this whole issue of salvation. Where do you stand with God? And when you think about death, does it freak you out a little bit? Do you try to push it off? Or do you have confidence knowing where you're going? The second thing, if, if you already have salvation in Jesus Christ alone, then pick a verse from this message today. It's one of the verses that we've looked at and begin to say, pray, obey. Begin to use that verse as a sword that you swing in the moment of fear or some other emotion. Say the verse, pray. Ask for God's help and his strength to do and then obey and do the right thing. That's the way that we gain victory over a lot of the vices and demons in our lives. We'll end with an inspiring image. For all of us who do follow Jesus Christ, there's a description of that permanence and stability that we have to look forward to. In Revelation it says, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. There's a picture of all the people, multitudes of people that after their bodies are good and dead. Actually, after our bodies are good and dead, it says they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they're before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. 
He will guide them to springs of waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord God, you are mighty and powerful and incredibly caring and loving. And there's a lot of hope and stability that we can have when we just root ourselves deeply in you and in your word. Thank you for the tools. You've given us weapons. You've given us armor, but you've also given us this incredibly powerful weapon to battle our fears, our emotions, our enemies. And I thank you for it, Lord. Would you allow us to grab a hold of it firmly? And would you cause it to take root in our hearts and our lives? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, happy Halloween, and I'll see you in November.